This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. And by Pivot Bio Proven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Trey Wasserberger is a first-generation rancher, and he finds himself leading a cattle operation growing premium beef from conception to consumer that will go to the world's largest retailer. We discuss how they built the business, meeting the demands of a changing consumer, and overcoming the challenges of the beef industry. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Nationwide. Farming and land ownership comes with its share of liabilities, and you need an insurance company to help protect you. But when it comes down to it, what you really need is an individual who truly understands what you deal with each day and knows how to help you see what you may have overlooked. That's why I partnered with Nationwide, the number one farm and ranch insurer in the nation. They have farm certified agents. Those are agents that are specifically trained to handle the needs of farmers. I know there was a lot I'd overlooked, and that's why we created short videos to help address those key concerns. Just go to nationwide.com Andrew. That's nationwide.com Andrew, where I host quick shows on important topics to help you protect your next and this week's show is also sponsored by my friends at pivot bio you've heard me talking about the challenges we face as farmers regarding nitrogen needs for corn crops each year the past few seasons though i've been using pivot bio proven 40 to provide my crops with the nitrogen they need when they need it no matter the weather but now that predictability is available right on the corn seed pivot bio proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant it's the first on-seed nitrogen, and all U.S. corn growers have access to the game-changing technology. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. I hope you'll learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. As some of you know, I've been in the cattle business all of my life. We run a stocker operation in northwest Missouri, plus grow corn and soybeans. Beef producers have plenty of opportunities and challenges, and I find a lot of us find what we're looking for. Trey Wasserberger is certainly an intriguing guest. He's a first-generation producer, although, as you'll hear, he's always been around the business. Today, he's often asked to speak to young and old in ranching, and plenty of people outside the industry, as a leader of the conception-to-consumer effort for beef. Specifically, he's part of a group that will send beef directly to Walmart, and that beef, from conception to meat case at Walmart, will all take place in about a 10-mile radius of his farm. So what's that mean for those of us in agriculture? Is it truly the wave of the future? Is it something you need to be looking to do in some way? I learned a lot, and I think you'll find the conversation very interesting as well. Trey Wasserberger is my guest, and Trey lives uh, near North Platte, Nebraska, Trey, we're going to talk uh, cattle mostly here, but I think people would be interested if they don't know your story, how you got involved in the cattle business. Your family always kind of around agriculture, but you consider yourself first generation. So just talk about that for a moment. Yeah, um, for sure. My, yeah, the Wasserberg side, they just uh, celebrated their vice or their, their 100 year anniversary homestead there in Lusk, Wyoming. JD and the boys, Eric and Andrew, my cousins and 
uh, uncle are running that ranch. And then on my mom's side, uh, the Geisinger Ranch is still in production today. That's mom's uh, dad's and mother's place. And mom and dad uh, moved to town. And, and uh, I was just, uh, I, you know, I always wanted to be a cowboy and always was always at the ranch and, and, and uh, always wanted to be a part of it. Just had to always had, had a different path for sure. Didn't go home to the family ranch, but went to the University of Wyoming, met my wife there, who's from Hershey, and then came here to the land of, um, you know, feed and water and cattle and, and just stepped right into it. And uh, so, yeah, here we are. I'm a first generation. Yeah. For those that may be out there and say, hey, how could I ever get into farming or ranching if I'm first generation because it's so capital and land intensive? How did you do it? Yeah, I hear that all the time. And I, I've spoke at multiple uh, universities, University of Nebraska, University of Wyoming. That's the first question that asked me, you know, how how do I get the equity and the, and the money to do this? And I'm going to I tell them like I tell everybody else that there is more opportunity more and more every day because for the younger generation, because it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller in the eighties and the nineties, you know, our, our family, our parents' generation, they come back to the ranch and had a lot of competition. Um, today, that is not the case. I mean, and, and I'm telling you, there is so much money to be made today in building fence and uh, weaning calves and calving heifers because no one wants to do it. And the average rancher is 65 years old. And there's a, there's opportunities I've put in several young men and women in opportunities where they didn't put up any money and they just stepped into a place that was generationally transitioning. And the guy just wanted it to go on and he financed them through it. You just got to work. I mean, you just got to outwork them. And, and there's a ton of opportunity here. And every day there seems to be more and more opportunity. And I, 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 I everybody says that, well, how can I afford land? How can I can, how, you know, I don't have any cash. And I said, guys, I've been in this business almost 10 years and I don't have any cash still. I mean, that hasn't changed. And so it's not going to change. It's, I mean, we're, we're not, we're not uh, bankers. We're cattle feeders. We don't have cash, uh, but you just gonna need to have a little work ethic and somebody, you know, somebody who does have assets will, uh, will finance you through it. And there's a ton of opportunity out there for the younger generation. Hey, Trey, before we jump into what you're doing today, you mentioned something, you know, we, we feed cattle as well, and I'm in the cattle business. Do you worry if there are going to be enough people, though, to do this? Because it seems like so much land went into production ag and everybody, and there's nothing wrong with this, wants to go out and row crop farm and so forth. It is, I'm beginning to wonder, are there enough people that want to handle cattle and livestock anymore? I just literally, I'm, the, I'm on the governor's ag committee, and I was in Lincoln, Nebraska on Wednesday, and that's exactly what came out of my mouth. Is we had a devastating phenomenon come through northeast Nebraska, a trifecta of heat humidity and no wind and killed thousands of cattle fat cattle and one of them is a good friend and actually my uh you know he's a good friend of mine now and and he loosed he was making margin calls on those fat cattle then ended up losing over 500 of them and he lost them totally and the problem is you know it's hard to retain young talent into cattle feeding but it's really really hard at the equity and volatility of it and that the one sector I am worried about is the cattle feeding industry. I talked to Dean Suchi the other day, and all he's doing is pouring more bunk. Lowest you know, beef cow level inventory of all time, and he's pouring more bunk. And that's because the bigger getting bigger, and those smaller farmer feeders, are, you know, 1,000, 1,500 head guys are, are getting out. And that, that's a real problem, yeah, for sure. Well, talking about that problem, but also what you do today, and, and you do so much, so how do we get our arms around some of that? But, you know, in some ways – 
you are a good example of a small guy working with some awfully big guys when we talk about Walmart. And I'm going to let you just open up and take it from wherever you want to, because the idea is really to go from conception to consumer. And you're doing it all in a world in which we think about sustainability and carbon footprint and so forth. You're doing it all within, what, a 10 or 15 mile radius. For those that don't know, just explain the idea and what's happening out there near North Platte. Yeah, I bought the historic Rischel uh, Angus cowherd here in North Platte, Nebraska, a perennial, uh, you know, 50-year-old uh, Angus cowherd that's really, really known for high marbling and high tenderness. And uh, I got into that uh, about in 2017, started, you know, we went from about 100 bulls to about 500. And then we're buying the calves back and running them through um, the Olson feed yard here in North Platte, Nebraska, about 10 minutes away, uh, feed about 50, 60,000 there. And then... Uh, we're building the sustainable beef LLC plant, beef plant here in North Platte, Nebraska, which is, a, uh, you know, basically a co-op model of seven uh, Western Nebraska families. And uh, yeah, I got, got a, got a, you know, just a reach out from the largest retailer and buyer of American beef in Walmart. And they said, this is something we want to be a part of. And they came out here and, and looked around at our place and said, this is amazing. And I said, what do you want me to change? And they said, nothing. Uh, we just want you to, this is sustainability to me. This is uh, profitability and this is longevity and something we want to be a part of. And so, yeah, right here in North Platte, Nebraska, we're going to sire the bull that will go out to commercial ranches in 30 states and or sire the feeder calves that will come back, hopefully to our family feedlot and then feed right through here. And then we're going to track the corn that we raised um, through that feed yard. And then another 10 minutes, they'll be at a sustainable beef plant here in 2025 and then they're going to go to the largest retailer of American beef at Walmart. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, everybody's talking about carbon footprint and what it means. And, and you know, good and fast is the lowest carbon footprint there is. I mean, we can trace that. We can verify that. And, and this conception and consumer models right here in North Platte, Nebraska. And we're we're happy to be a part of it and continue. We're not doing we're not. We haven't changed much. We just added another sector to it in the packing industry and. Uh, we're excited to see what the future holds. I'm sure you get asked all the time, how can you be in the packing industry when the packing industry is so difficult? So how do you get those folks to come other, together and do a co-op model and make this work when uh, others have tried and, and it's been difficult? Yeah, for sure. And and uh, my father-in-law and, and also my other partner, uh, Pete Laposotis, has tried to build a packing plant, be a part of a, a producer-owned packing plant, failed. And so it's incredibly, incredibly hard. And once again, it's a lot of equity and a lot of capital. And the packing industry is really, really consolidated. You think cattle feeding is consolidated. The packing industry is incredibly consolidated. And a lot of it, you know, uh, if you don't work for the big four, you, you probably did at one point. And we got a, a young man full of energy and life. And his name is Bill Rupp. And he's a former CEO of Cargill and JBS. And he heard about our project. And I was calling him every day. I still talk to him every day, wanting to know about the packing industry and how I could, and how I could get going. And, and he's, he took me on. He's been my mentor since the beginning and he wants to see this model happen for uh, North Platte. It, it's for the community. Uh, it's a billion dollar impact for our community annually, which is amazing for a town that's been 25, 30,000 people for the last 30 years. We've had little to no economic growth and to inject a billion dollars uh, annually to the, to the economy is incredible. And it's, it's, I can't, I don't know if there's a blueprint to how to get into the packing industry, but, uh, cause every day is an evolving door. I mean, COVID was huge. Now this labor deal, now interest is, 
biting at our heels and doesn't show anything. You know, the Treasury yield yesterday is the high, highest all time. I, it's a it's a difficult time to get in the industry, but there's a lot of opportunity because people want to know where their food is coming from, and uh, and they want to go see the guy in the cowboy hat raising the bull, feeding the calves, and this is this is a an image to the consumer that resonates with them. And they want to know we're taking care of the environment and the land. And, and I'm not hiding anything. I'm very transparent about what we're doing here. And that speaks to the consumer's love language. And we, we, we resonated with the consumer. They got that to the retailer and the retailer reached out to us and we invested in the beef industry. So maybe you don't know fully at this point, or, or maybe you do, but Walmart is the idea then that the beef that they secure from your plant will be marketed differently because we know that it's grown here. Is it sold for a premium then, or what is the model that they see in this? Uh, for sure. And they know this is a neat fact, but the, the cart that leaves, you know, the Walmart store, if it has beef in it, it is, it is the most expensive by data. It is the most expensive cart that leaves there. Cause you know what? Beef is a delicacy and it's good for you and it's wholesome, nutritious. And it's got one ingredient beef. And that's what the consumers after today. No added, you know, no preservatives, no ultra processed foods, just 100 percent, you know, American grown beef. And that really resonates with the consumer. And when they do that, you know, they put that ribeye in there. They, they add maybe some wine or they add some dessert or some potatoes. And, and they know that that is the customer they want and they want to increase their meat case quality. And they want They want to have the doctors and the upper, you know, uh, you know, some middle, you know, blue collar families walk in there and buy their beef there and they want that to change and they want us to be a part of it and they want to do it with your neighbor. Um, and so they've got a lot of, no one's got more data than they do. And it shows that that's what they want. And I, there will be a premium. I, I firmly believe that you, they, Walmart invested over a billion dollars in the beef industry in the last year with sustainable beef plant and then the case ready plant in Olathe, Kansas. And so that, that's telling you that there's a premium there. And they're going to go after it. And uh, we're excited to bring it to them. With a product that Walmart and others could be selling, is the main thing that it will be locally grown, traceable, or is it also, and I know we talk about this in the beef industry all the time, how do we make the product stand out? The, the marbling, the taste, the tenderness, and so forth. I know you're on that side of it as well. So how do you do hopefully all of that? But I'm curious, are they interested in both sides or is it mostly, hey, we want stuff locally and the carbon footprint type of thing? Oh, it's it's. And so we have a saying here um, that I learned from Bill Rischel about how you make the ultimate uh, bull and female registered Angus female. And we could say and he put it so lightly to me. It's changed my life. And he just said, Trey, make them have the most of the best. Make them put it all together. And Walmart is no different. Do they do, do they want a high prime and a high choice product? Yes. Do they want a low carbon footprint? Yes. Do they want a local um, young uh, rancher involved? Yes. Do they want it tender? Yes. Do they want it cut right? Yes. I mean, we have to put it all together. That ribeye has to fit the box, and that's something as an Angus breeder, I'm having to you know fix these carcass weights and these ribeyes. These genetics continue to get bigger, and that's not what our consumer wants. Our consumer wants a ribeye that's eye appealing that fits the box, and so we're gonna, we're going to have to regress a little bit and just put it all together and make up more of the most of the best. It does. It applies to you in the meat industry, in the packing industry, in the feed yard, in the seed stock, cow calf level, and you know even as a husband. I mean, you got to put it all together as the most of the best. And so it, I, I take that saying into Walmart too. They want the most of the best. Put it all together at an affordable price 
and get that consumer and grow demand and sell more beef. If I'm a smaller producer out here listening to this, should I be thinking about doing more of this on my own? Um, it takes time and work. And we know we have a lot of folks doing it at a much smaller scale than you're going to be doing it. And they seem to be doing all right. How much market is there out there for this type of uh, product? Yeah, once again, uh, this value, you know, value added beef and the, the branded beef programs that really that COVID really accentuated in 2020 to be, you know, when those shelves went blank, the American consumer had to reach out direct to ranchers. And it's made a lot of money and a lot of opportunity. My family in Wyoming, Boot Hill 7, has a very large branded beef program. And they were just the CAB Certified Angus uh, Ranch of the Year last year. And I think there's a ton of market there just because my cousin, Andrew, who I talked to this morning, wears a cowboy hat and he's driving around Denver, Colorado twice a month delivering beef. And people don't even ask about the price. And, you know, so our family has, we really, we, we really take pride in our prime steaks. We, what we really take pride in our hamburger because we take the sirloin and the brisket, put it in the grind because mainly we couldn't sell it and it made our hamburger so much better. But guess what? Now we're selling our, we're selling our briskets for, you know, 10, $11 a pound. I mean, it's incredible. So there's a ton of opportunity out there. You just got to get direct with the consumer. I firmly believe that you got to get in their, at their kitchen tables you got to be delivering that beef to their front yard and shaking their hand and making a connection and a network with them. And, and I, that shows you there is a premium for that beef. Um, it's not about, you know, tonnage and per pound at that time. It's about people wanting to write a check to people they like and resonate with. For those that may say, well, I'd love to do that, but maybe I don't have a big enough operation or don't have enough time and so forth. One of the unique things about what you're doing, though, from what I understand is, is trying to work with more cow-calf producers, maybe stocker growers, to be able to funnel them into this type of system. Is that right? And how do you see that model working that the, the all the way down to the cow-calf producer, they can benefit even if they can't be out there on the, the other end selling their steaks because they get rid of the calves long before them? Yeah, I mean, I, I sent bulls to 30 states last year. And every single one of them, uh, I said, hey, when you sell your calves, you let me know because I'm going to be there. And I don't care if it's Florida to California or in between. Uh, we want those cattle because these are the cattle that the feed yard wants. You want to know why the feed yard wants them? Because the packer wants them. You want to know the packer wants them? The retailer wants them. You want to know the retailer wants them? Because the consumer wants them. And, that, and if people say, yeah, I can't do a branded beef program. I don't have a USDA graded facility here to do that. I'm like, perfect. Let's get these bulls. Let's genomic test, test your heifers. Let's get you the right bulls and let's start making a branded beef program through sustainable beef. And this is a partnership and we're going to work together. And people are like, oh, this is vertical integration. I'm like, no, it's not. This is how the, this is how this is how the industry has worked for 50 years. And it just continues to get consolidated. And it's not vertical uh, you know, integration. It's vertical cooperation. And you're involved in the supply chain already today. You're just not connected to it. And th this changes that for a lot of our customers. And I don't, like I said, I don't care if you're, you know, South Texas to Canada. Uh, we want your cattle to come here to North Platte, Nebraska and feed through our family feedlot. And we want to take it to sustainable beef and have it processed by produced from packing plant and then into the largest buyer of American beef and to go all over the country. And we want to grow. We're going to be a very, very small percentage of their meat case at the beginning. But we want this thing to grow and continue to grow. And this is a five-year cycle too. For me to raise the bull to you know, get that calf to sustainable beef five years. So it starts today, guys. 
these you no, know, this is the these are the bulls, these are genetics that the future wants. So let's get a hold of it and let's go. You know, you talk about the cycle and being five years and so forth. Do you think that that keeps the cattle industry different than the the hog and chicken industry over time? We have this conversation in the beef industry a lot, or are we just blind to the changes that are coming and, and we need to get prepared? Yeah, I actually met with a, a, a customer of mine yesterday and he said, Trey, you know, the Packers are going to, they're, they're trying to take our job. And I said, sir, no offense, but they don't want your job. And they, I mean, you, you are, you take the most, you own them the longest, you know, at the feed yard, we might own them a year. The Packer might own them for 48 hours. Where's the risk and volatility there? I mean, who, who's really got all the risk on their side of the ledger? And it's no different. I mean, they don't want to do your job. They firmly believe the American rancher, we do it because we love it. End of story. It's not about the equity. It's not about the fame. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've yet to star in a Louis Lamar book or, or, uh, you know, on a Hallmark movie and or Yellowstone, I guess. I mean, uh, we do it because we love it and they need us in the supply chain and they want us to be profitable. They want us to be sustainable. Walmart wouldn't have done this if they didn't if they didn't want to support the American beef producer. End of story. And they've told me that. I mean, we've made a very, very loud proclamation of being called sustainable beef. That means we all have to be profitable on, in the supply chain. And to do that, it's going to take investment. It's going to take faith in each other and working together and listening to each other. You know, I don't know how many times the American rancher has asked the retailer what they want. Uh, I've really struggled. You know, I got into the seed stock industry because I was a cattle feeder wanting to buy the right cattle, you know, that are going to perform right because the packer wanted. And, you know, and I, and I couldn't find them. They didn't. And I was having trouble. And then I was a year later and I was like, wow, they didn't grade. Wow, they didn't gain. I had to go out and find the most perennial seed stock uh, cow herd in the nation, in my opinion based on kill sheets and, and be a part of it. And, and Bill Risha was, you know, at the end of his ledger and had three girls and no one to take it. And, and we just had to get a hold of it and run with it to keep this, you know, these genetics alive. And I'm glad we did because it's changed our family feed yard. It has changed our family feed yard. And uh, it's been an incredible journey. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of profitability in the near future and opportunity, but you got to change too. And you got to evolve. Because this ain't your daddy's uh, cow herd anymore. And uh, it continues to get bigger, 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 and accentuate more and more and more. And uh, you just got to have get out there and get a hold of the opportunity to do it. Trey, in the time we've got left here, you mentioned the change. What is it that you think that most folks in the cattle industry maybe don't see or don't see coming as fast as they should? Because you're out there, in my mind, kind of on the cutting edge and certainly seen it from conception to consumer. What is it we need to be thinking about? Man, I'm really, really struggling with uh, there's 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 talk about mandated uh, EIDs and government regulation and control. And guys, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, every single one of you, I told a room full of producers last week, they were worried about the government spying on them. I said, do you have an iPhone? How many of you have an iPhone? They're like, yeah, I'm like, they're I mean, they they got all the data they need on you. You think they're worried about the 1048 cow out in the southwest pasture? I mean, I'm sorry, but. No, it's, it's because it's we need some traceability and we need to be proud of what we're doing in the beef industry. And we need, you know, all of us have social media. That's your opportunity to grow demand. Don't hide from it. Get in front of it. Tell your story. Go out there and take pictures of your ranch and your children out there and your brandings. I mean, be transparent. And this is what the consumer wants to see. We, we No one is a better con, uh, conservationist or regenerative agriculturalist than an American rancher. Because if you don't take care of this land, you're done. 
you might as well fold up, call trucks. And so get out there and be proud of it. Show them what you're doing, Guts, and let's grow demand. I mean, in a time, I was at the Global Food Forum for Wall Street Journal a month ago, and, and I was the only cowboy hat in the room. And all I heard about was less ingredients, zero sugar, zero carbs, uh, you know, made from the earth. What? That's beef, guys. That's us. Let's tell that story. We do sequester carbon. We do take care of the environment. We do want our children to be generational and do this. So, so we need we need to tell our story, and that's our job as producers. For those listening to this that want to learn more about what you're doing, even maybe connect with you, how do they find the best way to find out more about some of the things we've been talking about here? Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to reach out. TD Angus at Richard Ranch. We got a female sale this in November. Sell two or three hundred uh, registered females and probably eight hundred commercial females. Then we sell about four or five hundred bulls in March and uh, reach out to us on Facebook, social media, anything, wherever. Call me. I love to have a conversation like this and have a cup of coffee in the morning. And I want to hear from these people. I want people that are very excited about change and opportunity in the beef industry. So reach out anytime. Trey, I appreciate the time. All right, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside on our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside or American Countryside. And remember, you can hear these shows in a variety of ways at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or your favorite podcast platform. You may enjoy scrolling the podcast archive to see the many topics and a wide range of issues in production agriculture. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. And by Pivot Bio Proven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.